This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Well, today we're gonna be closing out our sermon series entitled, What Are Followers? What Are Followers? We've been working our way through this sermon series, and during this series, we've been taking an in depth look at what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And in part one, we said that followers are disciples. And that word disciple means that you are both a student and an imitator of Jesus. And then in part two, we stated that followers are ambassadors. And we have a mission of sharing the good news, the gospel message, by interacting with the culture in order to share that good news. And in last week, which was part three, we stated that true followers of Jesus Christ are worshipers, and our worship is designed to be honoring and uplifting God the Father in heaven, and our worship to him is all about him. And finally, today in part four, I wanted to let you know that followers of Jesus are also family members. Family members, that's right. So disciples, ambassadors, worshipers, and family members. So this morning, I'm going to pose a question to you and ask you this question. Well, what does it mean to be family? What does it mean to be a part of a family? What is a family member? Well, by definition, family is all the descendants of a common ancestor. All the descendants of a common ancestor. And if you think about it, that would make all of us who are alive today and breathing brothers and sisters. Well, well, how can you say that? Well, all humanity is, if you read the Bible and study the beginning of the scripture, came from Adam. All of us. That's where we originate from. We come from God through Adam. And then the scripture says that there was a great flood and God uh, took away all the people except for one family, right? Uh, And through Ham, Shem, and Japheth, we have all come to this realization that even though we look very different and we have different ways of thinking and processing, we are all, everybody in the world today, family members. Your neighbor is your brother and sister. Your co-worker is your brother and sister. Everybody is family. But there's something very uniquely different about the Christian family. If you look back in the Old Testament, you know the Lord made a promise to Abraham. And he said, your descendants are going to be so many that you won't even be able to count them. And through that process of 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 the, uh, the births and the, the patriarchal system, we know that Jesus came through that bloodline. And if you have faith in Jesus Christ today, that means you belong to the spiritual bloodline of God, the creator of the world himself. And that's really exciting to think about. So we are a part of that promise. And we used to sing that song growing up, remember? Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. And And you're always trying to figure out how that connected theologically. Well, there you go this morning, okay? 
If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a part of that spiritual bloodline. So that makes us, everyone here this morning, that is in this auditorium, that is a follower of Jesus Christ, interconnected as brothers and sisters. And that's what's uniquely different about the churches of Christ. And many other churches use this, this principle as well. But when you come to our church, oftentimes you'll hear people call each other brother or sister, right? And we do that on purpose because we truly are brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we look differently and come from different backgrounds. The first passage of Scripture that I want to look at this morning is found in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, you go to that first slide. We're going to look at verses uh, 49 and 50. And the Scripture says here, pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Well, interesting passage. These words are from the words of Jesus. Let's set the context and figure out why Jesus said this and what was going on at this point. Well, we know if you read through chapter 11, in the beginning of chapter 12, Jesus was conducting his public ministry in Galilee, that region. And what he was doing is he was doing a lot of things that were not popular culturally to the religious institution of the day. One of the things that he did in this section of Scripture is that he was with his disciples and they were walking through this, this vineyard or this grain field on the Sabbath day. And you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath, right? You're really not supposed to do much. And his disciples begin to pick grain on the Sabbath day and eat the grain because they were hungry. And the Jewish leader said, you know what, Jesus, you're not supposed to do that. And your disciples are not supposed to follow that protocol. You should honor the Sabbath. The other thing that Jesus did in this section of Scripture is that he went to the temple, uh, the local temple in the area, and there was a man there with a shriveled hand, right? And that shriveled hand means that he had some kind of uh, physical ailment. He was paralyzed, and his hand was shrunken and deformed. And Jesus looked at his hand, and he healed the man, and his hand was good as new. In that same passage, Jesus went around and he saw a demon-possessed person and he got rid of the demons out of the person's life. And you remember what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law were saying. The reason he can cast out demons is because he's the leader of the demons. So naturally, they'll listen to him. So you understand the context of this passage. He was fighting with the Jewish leaders of the day. And then the scripture says that, uh, before this passage here, he was in this place and he was teaching the good news and speaking. And scripture said his mother and his brothers were outside. And his mother and brothers said to Jesus, Jesus, you come on out here. We need to talk to you. And then Jesus responded to his mama like this. Here are my mother and my brothers. If I ever talk to my mother that way. I wouldn't be standing here today, right? Mom was outside and said, Jesus, you come in. I wonder if she called him by his full name because he was in trouble. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you get out here right now. And Jesus said, no, because here are my mother and brothers. I bet you his mother was furious by that response. 
And I wonder why his mother was there trying to get his attention. I wonder if she was worried about him. You're doing all this stuff. People are out to take your life. Come out here to mama and your brothers. And I wonder, I wonder what that interaction was like, right? But Jesus said, Mom, you, you don't understand. I must be about my father's business. And I'm communicating a message that my disciples are my family. They are my family members, just like you are and my brother's mother. So this shows the importance of discipleship, what it means to be a disciple. We are all brothers and sisters, and that is a powerful connection and relationship. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 says this, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the other members. What that means is that when you come to this building, as we gather together as a church, you belong to the person sitting next to you. You're here for that person sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you. We're all supposed to be connected to each other in love and in unity. We're not here for ourselves. When you come to church, it's not just for you. It's for the person sitting in front of you or behind you or next to you. So when you're not here, your absence is truly missed and it's felt. And that's why it's so important to gather together, not forsaking the assembly of the saints, encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. Being here together as a family is vitally important. Have you ever had a Thanksgiving holiday where your brother or your sister didn't show up? Some of you might be saying, well, that was a good holiday. Actually, that week. <laughs> but what you should be saying is, your presence was sorely missed and it hurt that you weren't here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10. In the church in Corinth, there was a number of issues going on within the church, within the family. And if you have a family, you know that sometimes issues occur within your family. And I'm not talking about the church family right now, but your own family, your mother, father, brothers, sisters, so forth, so on. You know that issues occur sometimes within your family unit, right? And it's hard and it's painful and it's difficult. The church in Corinth was going through a lot of issues amongst the family members, right? The spiritual family members, if you will. There's a lot of things going on. In Corinth, Paul had to write a letter to correct some of the things that were going on. And some of the things were really terrible. Uh, sexual immorality was running rampant. Lawsuits were happening in the church. People were making a mockery out of the worship assembly. There was just a lot of stuff. But one of the things that really devastated this church was what we read about in verse number 10. And we'll get to there. It says, I appeal to you, brothers... In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. You see, what was happening with this church in Corinth is that there were some divisions. One person was saying, you know what, I follow Apollos. The other person said, well, I follow Paul. The other person was saying, well, I follow 
Cephas. And Paul had to write a letter and say, no, 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 no. We all need to be united. But you know what? We have that same struggle within our churches today, don't we? And we use that language in particular when we talk about preachers, don't we? I was baptized by Jeff Walling, and I was there during his tenure. (laughs) Well, I was baptized by Steve Smith, and that's my preacher. Well, I was baptized by Jason Darden, and he was all right. But, but, But we do the same thing today, don't we? We find charismatic leaders, and we say we are siding with them. And Paul had to write this letter and say, no, Christ is not divided. We need to be united in mind and in thought. There should be no divisions among God's people within the church. And that's hard, isn't it? Because is your family at home perfectly united? So I'm the oldest of six siblings. And this weekend, my siblings were at my house. They took over the house, right? We fought every single day. Yesterday, we fought about where we were going to eat. We were at the mall, and there were too many choices, right? Paradise Cafe, Blaze Pizza. We were all just fussing about where we should go. And it was amazing how we can fuss and fight over the smallest things, right? But guess what? We're family, So how can this be? How can we be perfectly united in mind and thought when our very own families at home fight about any and everything? But you see, the thing about my family is that when it comes to major decisions, when it comes to really important things, we always have each other's back. So in the church, we may fuss and fight about all kind of little things, but we never let those things divide us. Because we have each other's back, and we love each other. But oftentimes, we don't see this in families. We don't see this within churches. So we're ready to be done with the relationships if we get into little, little arguments, little disagreements. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. So I want to give you some practical things to think about. And the question that I want to ask you is, well... How can we become closer as family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as members of this church? How can we grow closer together? Our shepherds think about that process often. Probably every time we come together, they're thinking in their heads, what can we do to cause our family unit here, the Mission Viejo Church of Christ, to grow closer together? Well, I'm going to give you some practical things that I think we can implement to help us to grow closer together. The first is this. If you're taking notes, we ought to play. You're going, huh? Play? What what does that mean? Play, that's right. In thinking about my childhood and growing up, the reason I'm so close to my brothers and sisters today is because we spent a lot of time playing with each other and getting in trouble. Amen? Now, I'm not saying as a church we need to get in trouble, okay? But there's something about playing with each other and getting in trouble with each other, having that connectedness that makes us just grow closer together. I love it so much that my daughters, uh, and I'm talking about my family a lot, so bear with me because that's the examples I have. But my daughters, Alayla and Izzy, they have a favorite pastime, and it's playing dolly, right? So they go into their room, and they shut the door, and they can be back there for hours 
playing with dolls. And I'll put my head in, making sure they're not starting any fires or doing anything crazy. And I'll say, what are you doing, girls? Oh, we're just having a good time playing. And guess what? They're going to cherish those memories for the rest of their lives, right? And many of you who have siblings, right now you're probably thinking back at that time. When you were growing up, when you had your brother, you had your sister there with you, and the times you had with one another just simply playing, it was amazing, wasn't it? And that's why you're so close. You got in trouble together. My brother and I were infamous for that. My dad bought us brand new bunk beds one summer. You know what his one rule was? Jason and Jeremy, don't you jump off of that top bunk from the bunk bed. As soon as my dad closed the door, we put some t-shirts around our necks, made capes, and we started jumping off that bed, and we had the greatest time ever. Superman, we were doing all kinds of stuff. Dad walked into the room and he said, didn't I tell you not to jump on the bed? And we said, yes, Dad. And my dad said, who should get the spanking first? And my brother pointed at me. So I got in trouble that day. But that's a memory that we always talk about when we get together because we had just so much fun playing. And we do music together, even now to this day. You know, as a church, if we want to grow together, we have to play together. We have to enjoy one another's time socially. And today we're starting off that process with our connect groups. So as you leave this morning, please sign up for a connect group. That's a group where you can come and get plugged in with another brother or sisters, uh, sister in Christ and just, just have fun with each other. And your relationships will grow sweeter and closer and better. What else? can we do to grow closer as a church or as a family? We've got to work with each other. We've got to work together. I don't know about you guys, but I had chores growing up. Did you guys have chores, right? That's like a foreign concept to many of our kids today, right? We had chores coming up. My job was to cut the grass, and my dad on purpose wouldn't give us an electric lawnmower. We'd have to use the old school, and some of you guys are going old school. That's what I grew up on, right? just had a blade and it, you had to roll it yourself and if a stick got caught in there you couldn't move it right you remember that I grew up having to cut the grass with that on purpose to be taught discipline I had to do gross uh, I had to uh, wash the dishes and I had to use my own money to purchase milk from time to time still bitter about that one right and guess what my brother was supposed to help me with those chores but at times he would disappear and I'd be out there by myself and then I would look around and say, where's Jeremy? He'd come out with a sandwich, just eating, watching me work, right? And sometimes within the church, we see that, we see that, don't we? We've got a whole bunch of workers, and then some, yeah, they just enjoy watching people do the work. But we've got to work together if we're going to go closer to one another. We have work days at the church building, which is great. But you know what? A lot of our seniors can't participate in the work days because that's, that's difficult for them. Uh, but we have Comfort Cafe that you can get plugged into and work alongside your brothers and sisters with. We have plenty of teaching opportunities here at the church. We're always looking for teachers. Get involved and work. We have Vacation Bible School. We have 78 people volunteer to sign up for that. Always opportunities to serve in that capacity. We have uh, outreach ministries. We have a city of children. We have the Spanish ministry. And guess what? I think at this church, we need to create some more outreach ministries and opportunities to do work. And what I would encourage you to do is share your ideas with the leadership and be willing to serve in that capacity. 
What else do families have to go through in order to grow together? They have to experience pain together, don't they? They have to experience pain. Has anybody been in pain before? Have you ever had a tough situation that you were going through, and the only reason you made it through is because you had your family there to help you through it, right? So when we go through pain, we have to have the family there with us. There have been times where I was struggling in my life. I was encountering hardships. But guess what? My father and my mother and my brothers were there with me through the entire process. Emotionally, they were there. Financially, they were there. When bullies were present, we were there. Family is always there to have your back when you're going through hard times. I'm reminded of when my sister was getting bullied at school, and she told me and my brother, right? So there was a boy picking on her and messing with her, and she said, help me. Me and Jeremy came out of the bushes. We came behind the park swings. We showed up, and and the rest of my siblings were there too. We had like a line saying, we wish you would mess with my sister, right? Because we had her back. In the church, we should have that same mentality, shouldn't we? We're always going to be there when you're going through something tough or rough or difficult, or if there's bully present, you call on your brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're there. And that's what we need to do to have a close-knit family here at this church. I was so uh, blessed to hear the story about Holly and, and her mother, who recently passed away. She came by my office this week, and she said, Jason, The church here really just touched my heart because two of our shepherds came out while my mother was on her deathbed in the hospital, and two of the shepherds came and just prayed with her and talked with her. And they asked her questions like, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And Holly's mother, before she passed away, said, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what it means to be a family church, to show up when people are going through something. And if we can do that, oh my goodness, what an amazing family we can have here to know that we have your back. And lastly, what else? If we want to grow as family members in the church, we have to honor our parents together. You know, I'm extremely blessed and I know it because my parents have always been there for me. My parents are are pretty much financially well off, so we don't have to take care of them financially on that end. However, we do visit them very often. We're up almost every other weekend just checking up on mom and dad and seeing how they're doing. And if you think about it, our parents, our Heavenly Father has always been there for us, even when we turned our back on him. Even when we didn't want to have anything to do with him, God has always been there for us. And you know what worship is about? Worship is about coming together and saying, Lord, we honor you for always being there for us. Worship is vitally important to the overall health of the church family. And the question I have is, are we all focused on that principle of honoring God during our time of worship? Are we communicating to him through prayer, thanking him? Are we meditating on him through the Lord's Supper? Are we honoring him at worship as a church family? And that's why it's so, so important for you to be here, to tell God you honor him families. Lastly, I want to leave you this before we close this morning. Um, How do we deal with overcoming problems in the family when they arise? 
right? Some of us are subject matter experts, right? Because there's always problems with our family. We have to learn how to overcome them. But some of us struggle with that, right? So let me say this. If you're going to be a part of a family, drama will occur, okay? That's just a part of it. That's the MO. Some families have more drama than others, but drama does occur, right? And it's almost every month, right? Every other weekend, something is going on, something happens, right? But as a family, how do we overcome family problems? As a church, how do we overcome problems within the church when problems arise? I want to look at this next passage of Scripture, if you will. Matthew chapter 18, verses 34 and 35. Jesus was, was telling a parable about an unmerciful steward or servant or master, unmerciful master. You see, this master had owed a lot of money, but his boss in charge of him said, don't worry about the debt. I'm going to wipe it clean. And then the same guy who just had his debt forgiven said to another person, you owe me money. And the person said, well, I don't have the money to pay and then the person that was forgiven said, well, I'm going to throw you in prison. I'm going to take you out because you're not paying me back. And then Jesus gives this principle here in Matthew 18, 34 and 35. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. I don't know what it is, but sometimes when we get into church spats and issues, it is the most painful process that you can ever encounter. Amen? You lose sleep. Your heart is broken. And similar to your family, if you've ever gotten into it with your brother or sister and it was just really, really hard, the relation, I mean, you can't even sleep. You're just thinking about it. You're processing. You're, you're, you're holding on to something. And if we are going to be a family that really loves one another, that really encourages one another, we have to learn how to forgive from the heart and let things go. But some of us, we really struggle with forgiveness. We hold on to grudges, and it's like carrying a weight that we're choosing to carry by ourselves. So Jesus says here, if you really want to overcome family problems, you've got to learn to forgive. We've got to learn to forgive quickly and not hold grudges. And sometimes, let me say this. This is going to sound bad, but bear with me. Sometimes it's okay not to be around each other all the time. Because I notice that when my brothers and sisters and I spend too much time together, it's not the best thing. Amen? So I just want to, I want to put that out there. Sometimes it's okay not to spend all the time with each other, right? Even in husband and wife relationship, if both of you have nothing to do and you just sit with each other all day, all you do is fuss and fight the whole time, amen? Or is that just me? I guess it's just me. Sometimes it's okay not to be with each other all the time. You know, like I said, if we spend too much time together as siblings, we just get into it. But guess what? We do really well when we're working with each other towards a common goal. And that's something that we need to think about. And then lastly, I want to leave you with this verse before I step down. The next passage found in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 22. It says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. And the question that I ask myself often is, do I love each and every one of you deeply with all of my heart? Or is there room for me to improve on that department? 
right? And I wonder if you're asking yourselves the same question. Look at the person next to you, behind you, in front of you. Do you love that person deeply with all your heart? Some of you be, might be saying, well, well, no, because I don't know that person that well, right? Do we love each other deeply with all our hearts? I'm not saying like, amen. You got me on that? Right? Because, quite honestly, there are some personalities that are very hard to like, amen? Extremely difficult to like, right? But you see that within your own family unit. You got that one sister. You got that one brother that she, oh my goodness, right? But guess what? You love them no matter what, right? Right. So don't get confused in thinking that liking someone and really loving somebody is, a, is the same. It's not the same thing often, right? There are times when Mary just does not like me, right? But she loves me. She loves me. And we need to think in those terms when it comes to the church. We love each other. And we'll always be there for them. And guess what? When this, this idea of sincere love comes to mind, sincere love tells me that you can be honest and transparent with each other. Right? That means you can be honest and tell it like it is with each other. That's the one thing that we practice in our family that is a blessing, but sometimes a curse too, right? My brothers and sisters will tell me about myself in a heartbeat. Jason, you sure are grumpy today. I'm like, man, where did that come from, right? Or Jason, that was, that was kind of rude, right? They check me every single time, and I do that back to them. And you know what it does? It just makes us better people. But oftentimes in the church, we're so worried about offending each other that sometimes when things need to be said, we don't say them. And the reason why we can't say them is because we don't know each other that well. But there are some of you here in this church that are like brothers and sisters for real, right? And you tell it like it is to one another often. And that's the type of relationship that we should have with each other within the church. But if we don't know each other and we aren't a close-knit family, if someone tries to say something to you to better you or to encourage you or to cause you to think differently, you get offended, don't you? I can't believe you would say that to me, right? But we say that to people that we don't know well and don't know us well, right? If your neighbor said that to you, you sure are grumpy today and you don't know your neighbor, you'd be like, what is your problem, right? But if we know each other, that's different. You can take it. It might still hurt a little bit, but that's okay. So the question I want to pose to you this morning as we close is, how close are we as a family? Because true followers of Jesus Christ are really close family members. And we love each other deeply. And there's two ways to think about family. One is in the ecumenical sense. Jesus said, if you follow me, you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Ecumenically, there are many followers of Jesus Christ all over the world, right? All over the world. And then another way to look at it is locally. Followers of Jesus Christ that are in this region locally, are we close and are we connected to each other? And oftentimes, we got to be careful with families to make sure that we welcome people in that aren't like us instead of shoving people away. We have our circle of trust, and we only want certain type of people, right? But the good families say we welcome any and everybody. You come on, and you, everybody knew that grandma in the South that always had her door open with the cake and the food, welcoming everybody. Everybody come in. And I hope and pray that's the type of family that we are. Everybody come in. Everybody's welcome in this place. 
We've got a song of invitation selected. If there's someone here that has a need or would like to put Jesus Christ on in baptism this morning, we definitely give you the opportunity today. Whatever your needs or concerns are,